Lockdown Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having a great Friday. We are less than a week away from the 2021 NBA draft. And I have with me a gentleman who has certainly had his fair share of fun drafts, especially over the past few years. And it is one of our favorite guests, site manager of Grizzly Bear Blues, Joe Molinax. Joe, how are you doing again, sir? I'm doing well, Sean. It's funny you bring up great memories of drafts because my favorite draft memory is watching Mr. Mr. Locked On Grizz himself, Sean Coleman, work <laughs> his tail off with some uh, with some some uh, some charity stuff that we were doing at the 2019 draft party before coronavirus and pandemics and and all of those things. You you were the MVP of that night, sir, that we had there at the Bluff there in Memphis uh-huh. and. Uh, that yeah. was my, you know, I think that was the first time we physically met, and yes. it, it was a great introduction to the workhorse that is Sean Coleman, and you and I both were able to give Mark King a hard time in person to his face, <laughs> and it was glorious, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And who wants to know that that would be, you know, pretty much the start of what has been a great two-year ride? I honestly think that Memphis was more excited about the Brandon Clark pick because of how clutch it was <laughs> than it was the John Morant pick, obviously. But, you know, that's what we'll get right into. Of course, you can find the show at Locked on Grizz, myself at Stats SAC, Joe Molinax at Joe Molinax on Twitter. Obviously, all the great work over at Grizzly Bear Blues. Excellent, excellent coverage over at Grizzly Bear Blues. Joe, want to congratulate you and the staff over there. A lot of exciting um, uh, re- reaction to the great work. I know Parker Fleming has had a big role in that as such as yourself, but some been some excellent draft profiles over there as of late. Absolutely. Our staff remains our strength. And, you know, you and I were talking a little bit before we started recording. And, you know, my life has been very crazy this summer. Uh, I'm moving and a new job and you know, all sorts of different things kind of uh, disrupting my usual flow of work but you know people like you and you mentioned parker parker's been remarkable with the draft work he's done absolutely um, you know, brandon Knight, brandon abraham has done a great job nathan chester's done some good draft profiles justin lewis ben hogan you know the other guys on our uh, our podcast network starting five has done some really good podcast work so it, it's a team effort as it always has been and as i've told you numerous times you know I, i'm very fortunate to to be the head of the snake, so to speak. Uh, but th- there's uh, there's a ton of talented folks on our site that, that make it work day in, day out. And, and it's nice to know that we've built it up to the point that, you know, we, we get this these accolades and this attention for the work we're doing, and, and I don't have to carry that load as much. You know, people will pick me up as well. And, and that's exciting. That wasn't always the case uh, over at GBB. So we, we've built it up pretty nicely, and I'm proud of our staff. And, and and it's shown, obviously, you know, that's that's where I got my start. So many others have gotten their start. It's been a great opportunity. You know, obviously, later on in the show, we'll highlight, you know, things that are coming up next week. But, Joe, before we get into the draft coverage, obviously, a momentous week for the NBA. Giannis Antetokounmpo, um, the Milwaukee Bucks, winning the NBA title. You know, Taylor Jenkins, of course, having his connections there. But but, but a win for small markets as well, right? You know, and you've got a lovable 
uh, you know, in my opinion, player who potentially is on track to be a top 15 player in NBA history, just a lovable superstar who finally got what he deserved. And, you know, Memphis has that lovable superstar in John Morant, but just, you know, your thoughts on seeing Milwaukee win that title and what it means for small markets and especially those that are building things the right way with the Grizzlies. Well, you know me, Sean, I, I love a good story, right? I feel like my my strength as a writer is in those narrative kinds of writings and pieces. And, and I feel like you, you couldn't write a better story than the story of Giannis and not just even him choosing to stay in the small market, but him prioritizing his family, right? Like the, the fact that they came over from Greece, their connections to Africa, you know, all of these different aspects of the story that make him so unique and make him so lovable, lovable beyond his physical traits as a basketball player, you know, the, the human element of what makes Giannis great is fascinating to me. And I know Woj has done a great job over at ESPN covering that. Other folks have written about it. I'm thinking of uh, Adrian Wojnarowski's uh, podcast series that he did on Giannis getting drafted. Uh, It's just a remarkable story. And it's so wonderful to see a place like Milwaukee comparable to Memphis in terms of size. John Morant, not exactly the same story, obviously, but he has a similar underdog, wasn't expected to be here, side gyms of AAU tournaments, to Murray State, to being this superstar on the rise in the NBA, you know, there's parallels in that regard. Two guys that aren't supposed to be where they are. And I do believe that there's, you know, there's a lot to be healthy. And I think John Morant, in terms of the way that he carries himself, everything he said in the media, his overall demeanor, He's a lot more like a Giannis than he is a LeBron or a James Harden or a Kevin Durant. And I want to reiterate, there's nothing wrong with the way they did things, right? We have this, you know, being driven by some moral compass, and that's not necessarily the case. Every man, every woman, every person has to have their own idea of what is right to them. But integrity is living up to that and being consistent within it. And I think that in the case of Giannis, he has honored that and then some. He has always been true to himself, his own compass, so to speak. And he's followed his arrow, and it's led him to the point of being in a place where he is now a legend in Milwaukee. He is on his way. I agree with your top 15 number. I would even go to top 10, potentially, depending on how he grows his skill set. People like to talk about Luka Doncic, and I understand that. but. Giannis is only 26. I don't think there's anybody in the NBA right now that I would rather have than Giannis uh, leading my franchise. And I would put Luka in that conversation. It's not like Giannis is close to the end of his career. He's just entering his prime. And when you say that out loud, it's terrifying to say out loud. It really is because you know if if you know it, it seems and the other thing is one of the re, one of the reasons to support it is for those who like to play NBA 2K, which I know me and Joe enjoy doing when we get the chance. Mm-hmm. Is that if you could think of a my player character, a realistic version of a my player character, it would be Giannis. Maybe sprinkling in a little bit of shooting, but but Joe, let's get to the reason why we are all so excited now that the NBA season is over. It's the 2021 NBA draft, and listen, me and you are going to discuss plenty of scenarios here in the second and third segment but want to get straight to the point Joe Molinax 
when you are, if you are at 17 for the Grizzlies, and it can be trade up, trade back, whatever it may be, when you look at that draft board after we get past the first six or seven, obviously, that are likely going to go, what three names jump out at you really, really, really intrigue you if you're the decision maker for the Grizzlies? Well, I think, first off, this is completely unrealistic. It's not going to happen. If I'm the general manager of the Memphis Grizzlies, was the question, I'm trying to get into the top four. Period, end of story. And here's why. To me, this draft, there's, there's tears to it, as there always is. And I think that you can find guys in the late lottery. I think that you can find guys where the Grizzlies are picking at 17 that can help you win a championship. But to me, there are four guys in this draft that can be superstars, in my opinion. And those four guys are going to go in the top four picks. you got Kate Cunningham, Evan Mobley, and then you've got Suggs and Green. To me, those are the four legit, they're going to be starred, superstar-type players. And they all fit a position of need for the Memphis Grizzlies. Obviously, Detroit's not trading out of one. Houston's probably not trading out of two. And again, none of them are likely trading out of where they are unless a superstar is coming with it. So if you're Memphis, you'd have to tag Jaron in there with Kyle, a couple of firsts. It's not going to happen. But if you had found a way to get into that top four to secure one of those guys, that to me would be the most important thing. Because now you've got, if you could hold on to Jaron and give up whatever else you had to give up to get to that point, now you've got your three Grizzly Kings, right? You've got Jaw, you've got Jaron, you've got, again, the, the center Mobley from USC would fit nicely with Jaron. Kate Cunningham as a creator on the wing would be amazing with Ja. you got two scoring guards in Green and Suggs that I think would be tremendous fits. I think in terms of realism, lottery-level talent to put alongside Jaron and Ja, you're not selling the farm, so to speak. You're not mortgaging your future, giving up all of the trade chips in one piece. Something like 17, Grayson Allen or Kyle Anderson, the Jazz 2022 pick, which probably isn't going to be all that good anyway. That probably gets you into the conversation with the Warriors pick, something towards the end of the lottery you're really passionate about. So if I'm the Grizzlies GM and I'm not able to get to the top four, I'm prioritizing moving up to try to get probably looking to trade back at that point, to try to recoup some of the assets that we lost trading for Desmond Bain and trading for Xavier Tillman. You know, those are two guys that are important pieces of the team moving forward, so I'm not regretting those deals. But to replenish the cupboard a little bit, I think maybe I'm trading back 27, 28, 29, trying to get some second-rounders back in future drafts. So that would probably be my plan A, B, and C, entering the festivities. And none of them really involve picking at 17 unless the guys that I really come up with. So basically what you were saying was was that trading up, obviously, to get possibly a Moses Moody, staying at 17. Um, I believe you said Trey Murphy, I may be wrong, or trading back to try to get some extra assets or what makes the most for you, depending on the talents that are there. Sure, yes. Uh, I think trading back or trading up is what makes the most sense, depending on scenario playing out. Like staying at 17, if you can help it. Uh, again, I like Trey Murphy the third, and I know we're going to talk more about him. I don't know that that is the best use of the assets because, to me, trading up makes the most sense. If you're establishing what the Grizzly standard means, 
to me, building it through the draft is more meaningful because you don't have guys that have been exposed to other ways of doing things, right? Other, other cultures, other or cultures of uh, franchises, I should say, other organizational structures. All they'll know is the Grizzlies. All they'll know is your standard. So if you're able to move up in the draft and get the guy that you know fits schematically with what you're trying to do, fits in terms of mentality with Jaron and Ja, that really strengthens that standard and strengthens that core moving forward. So I would try to trade up first and foremost. I would try to trade back if that didn't work. If all else fails, obviously you pick at 17 and you try to find somebody like Trey Murphy the third that could uh, check some boxes for you in terms of being a productive player. I agree completely. I'd laid out my plans, trade up for Kispert, Moody, um, or Franz Wagner if they were to fall. If you stay at 17 and get Springer or, or Murphy, be happy with that. If all else fails, you take Duarte, maybe trade, get into the uh, first round again and get you a Christopher or an upside play, somebody like that. So I think that the aggressive movement around the board that we've seen the Grizzlies be so good at over the past few years really stands out. But getting to some names with Joe here in just a second that really stand out. What preference perspective, what 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 perspective makes the most sense for Joe? And from that, what names are he kind of watching besides the one he mentioned for where the Grizzlies could be? We'll be right back. Certainly hope you've been enjoying the ultimate mock draft this week on the Locked On Podcast Network as we simulate the 2021 NBA draft. But the thing is, is that we also will be covering the NBA Draft Live next Thursday. NBA Draft go Chad Ford, Locked On NBA Draft host Rafael Barlow, and Locked On NBA host John Corrales will be live this year covering the NBA Draft. It's Locked On NBA Draft 2021, brought to you by Built Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow Locked On NBA on YouTube today and watch our live coverage on June 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Listen, the odds of who the Grizzlies and other teams are going to pick are going to be an exciting thing to watch over the next few days. Well, if odds in general are something that you enjoy when it comes to wagering and betting on sports, the best place for you to go is betonline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. They've even got the odds out for the t- the odds out for who has the best odds to win the 2022 NBA championship? Who has the best odds to win the 2022 NBA MVP? Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device and put in the promo code Locked On to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbooks experts. Visit betonline.ag today. All right, Joe, so I had asked a few other people in time, what would make the most sense for Memphis? Is it just pure best player available? Does roster perspectives of needing a big wing come into play? Does skill set perspectives of needing facilitation and shot creation come into play? What stands out to you as the top one or two perspectives when it comes prioritizing these prospects, especially in a draft that offers so much upside? I think you nailed it. I I wrote about, we did the SB Nation draft, and I took Trey Murphy the third for the Grizzlies. And in my article that I wrote, I talked about, to me, the two biggest needs are they need shot creation, somebody that can create for themselves off the dribble and score, and they need a bigger wing. They got a bunch of guys like Grayson Allen, DeAnthony Melton, Desmond Bain, that are 6'4", 6'3"-ish guards 
that are combo guards, they need a, they need a bigger wing. Somebody like Kyle Anderson, except a little bit more athletic, a little bit more fleet of foot. So to me, Trey Murphy the third is the perfect combination of those two things. You have someone who has shown some flashes of creating off the dribble, an elite shooter, volume shooter at 43% from three. He projects to be a good defender in the NBA, can play positions two through four on the floor. He's six foot nine with a seven foot wingspan. You know, he's somebody that checks a lot of those boxes, but there's other players that could theoretically do that. If you trade up, it's a Moses Moody, it's a Boo Knight, it's, uh, you know, Davion Mitchell in, in certain spots. If you trade back, you know, you mentioned Josh Christopher earlier. You have a Chris Duarte who is going to be a good NBA player. His flaw is kind of like Dylan Brooks's flaw, kind of like Brandon Clark's flaw, Desmond Bain's flaw. They're, he's older, right? So I, I think that they're going to have options wherever they select in terms of what they're trying to do. It just comes down to do they continue to take the best guy on their board or the best player in terms of their fit roster-wise based off of what you so successfully last year kind of dictated was what they looked for. You called their draft last season. Uh, but at the same time, is this the year that you take an upside swing? Do you go for Zaire Williams, for example, who arguably has some of the best physical tools in this draft? He just hasn't put it all together yet in his NBA or his young basketball, I should say, career. His college basketball career was not as successful as people perhaps thought it would be. So I think they need shot creation. I think they need a bigger wing. I think if you can find somebody like a Trey Murphy the third, because you have to remember, Sean, and I know you know this, you watch a lot of college basketball, UVA is pretty unique among the college basketball powers. They run the pack line defense. Their offense is a lot about ball movement and motion. They don't have like a superstar, go get me a bucket kind of scheme. So you have a Jay Huff and you have a Sam Hauser. You have guys on that roster for UVA that were also scorers. Trey Murphy was asked to be something in terms of a specific role player within their, in their offensive and defensive scheme. Trey Murphy at Rice where he was his first two years as a college basketball player, he did a lot more creation off the dribble than he did at UVA, but UVA was obviously his most high-profile spot that he was at, and that is what people are basing a lot of their assessment of him on. So I think that he has the capacity to do more than he has shown. He was just at a successful but unique college basketball program where those skill sets aren't always on full display. You know he's going to be a good shooter. You know he can defend. What are his levels of his game that he can add upon that? There's some mystery there because, uh, in part, at least in my opinion, what he was asked to be at UVA compared to what he will be asked to be in the NBA. Completely makes sense. Now, keep coming up with different potential, potential draft board scenarios, say you've got a, a Trey Murphy that is there, but you also have a few picks that unexpectedly are falling to you that you didn't realize would be there for you, maybe as a trade-up or a really high upside pick that's been projected for the lottery for a while. Say you had a scenario, Joe, where on the board at 15, you had a Keon Johnson, a Trey Murphy, and a Corey Kispert. My instinct would be take what, do what you can to get up to Washington's pick and take Corey Kispert. But how important is a ceiling to you? Are you attracted to taking that high ceiling in certain situations, especially if guys fall, or do you kind of hesitate because you don't know if it makes sense for Memphis to take on a long-term project? Your your thoughts, if, if you start to see a few of those guys you didn't think would be there, start to fall down the draft board a bit. 
I guess my take on that, Sean, would kind of be different from yours, actually, which is refreshing because usually you and I are very much in lockstep. If if Johnson, Kispert, and Murphy the third are on the board at 15, and I'm at 17, I'm happy with any of those three. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to get one of those three dudes. Like, one of those guys is going to be there at 17, and chances are you might even have your pick if, you know, the guys – if uh, if Washington decides to go Kispert, for example – Maybe OKC goes outside the box and drafts somebody like Berenz, who is a complete upside guy, a 6'11 wing who can handle. You know, maybe they just say they have three first-round picks. Maybe they just say, hey, I'm going to take a shot at this guy and see if he becomes something. Um, and then all of a sudden you've got two guys in front of you that you didn't expect to have options with. Uh, they're going to have some flexibility there. And if I was in that spot, I, I like Kispert. But I think a lot of the concerns that you have with Kispert are connected to Trey Murphy III. And Trey Murphy III was a successful shooter in college, obviously not quite to the level of Kispert, but still similar in terms of productivity, at least in one season, uh, when you take into account their per-40-minute stats and that sort of thing. So I, I, I would look at it in that particular instance. I have all those guys on the same tier, roughly. Now, if somebody like Moody or Bo Knight or, you know, heaven forbid, uh, Franz Wagner, you know, if one of those guys that's projected to be a top eight to 10 pick all of a sudden drops down and is there at 15, that's when I'm making calls. That's when I'm trying to figure out how do I get Washington what they need so that I can take that guy because I think he makes me better. That guy's going to be a starter for me. He's legitimately better than a Melton, an Allen, a Bain. I think that the way that I'm looking at this draft, Sean, is when I look at this Grizzlies roster as constructed, you know, Trey Murphy the third is a bigger wing. I know that he can do things that Melton can't, that Bain can't, that Allen can't, simply because they don't have the physical frame. They don't have that, uh, that length, that size given to them by whatever gods may be. If I take another combo guard-esque player, even if they're bigger, six foot four, six foot five, six foot six. Does Grayson Allen create better off the dribble than player A? Does Desmond Bain shoot the three better than player B? Probably. Does DeAnthony Melton defend better than player C? And that's kind of where I'm at with this roster. Now, if you have long-term plans that involve trading one or more of those guys away, then that's different. Or if you're going to let Grayson Allen walk in restricted free agency, that's different. And I'm sure they already have all sorts of scenarios planned out over at 191 Beale Street, uh, where FedEx Forum is. But I, I am of the mind that I am, I am only looking to move up if I know there is someone there that I can acquire that is going to be better than a majority of the guys I already have on my roster. Once you hit 17, unless it's a Trey Murphy, again, we talk about shot creation. One of those shoot cre- shot creation guys falls for some reason, or a bigger wing like Murphy is there. That's a little bit different. That adds something that the roster doesn't already have. If they're comparable to players that are already on the roster, Now I'm asking myself, are they legitimately going to take playing time from people I already have? And if the answer is no, then I don't know that I'm so married to the idea of picking at 17, whereas I I would maybe be more interested in trading back and trying to gain some assets. As Joe mentioned, it makes sense. It's a place to be because of how well Memphis is drafted, their roster having so many good players and where they are in this draft and its depth. There's really not a wrong way to go, but I agree with you. A big wing who can do many things 
really stands out. But we talk about trading up. We talk about trading back. How creative. Joe is a very creative guy when it comes to <laughs> perspectives with basketball. How creative might Joe want to be in order to make the most of moving around the draft board? We'll hit on that here in just a second. Well, having a creative front office in the NBA is certainly a plus. It's also a plus in your daily routine if you don't have to get too creative in finding a way that you can enjoy a healthy snack that also tastes great, and that's Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It literally is full of healthy benefits, but tastes great. You can have it in the morning for breakfast, have it in in the afternoon as a snack. Whenever you choose to enjoy it, it's going to add benefit to your day. If you go to BuiltBar.com right now and you put in the promo code LOCK15, you're going to get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. But the great thing about it is, is that just like NBA teams want to have plenty of great options to choose from when it comes to the NBA draft, at Built Bar, you have, have over 18 different flavors you can choose from, all of which are very tasty. Now you can go to BuiltBar.com right now, put in the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. Listen to the ultimate, the ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey. Featuring analysis from the GOAT of NBA Mock Drafts, Chad Ford, and Odyssey NBA experts Brian Scalabrini and former general manager Ryan McDonough, our Locked On NBA local experts will make selections for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y Odyssey. A-U-D-A-C-Y. So, Joe, uh, we did uh, what's called the Ultimate Mock Draft over here at Locked On. Uh, We're doing it this week. And on Wednesday, the Grizzlies actually wound up making two picks. And I won't save you from all the negotiations, but in an essence... I traded away Kyle Anderson to be able to get up to 14 and pick James Booknight, but in the process kept pick 17. I don't know if they get that creative, but the point that I bring up is this. We've heard, obviously, the idea of adding Grayson to a, to 17 or adding the Utah pick. Those seem to be the obvious expendable pieces in the right situation. How willing are you, though, to go a bit more up the scale of significance on the Grizzlies roster. And if there's an opportunity there, look in the right situation to perhaps trade a, a Kyle or even a Jonas on draft night. I don't expect it, but I do think that that is something that really could open up options for the Grizzlies if they want to get that creative and aggressive. That's a great question. And I, I don't know that I would have made that trade with Golden State, but I see your logic if that makes sense. I, I think that you prioritize getting guys on four-year contracts, guys that can create off the dribble. Both of those wings have that capacity to be that kind of scorer. Uh, Johnson in particular, I know, can be a little bit of a 3-and-D player in addition to a uh, Bonite should, you know, be a, a Lou Williams-esque type of scorer almost immediately, if not the first year, certainly by year two. And that's like we talked about earlier in the show. That's exactly what the Grizzlies need. So I, I see that. Um, I think it comes down to the question of who is in your long-term plans. I don't see Kyle Anderson and Jonas Valanciunas both coming back. I don't see that happening. I think they're both going to command more money than they are currently making. And Memphis's money is going to start getting tight. Both Jonas and Kyle are approaching 30. They'll turn 30 and beyond uh, in their next contracts. So you have to make a decision. I'm not saying turning 30 is a bad thing. They're both good basketball players. You just have to decide who is going to be the guy you ride with for the next few years. 
I think Jonas makes more sense at this stage than Kyle. And I know that's going to sound contradictory to your audience because I was talking about earlier in the show that you need bigger wings. Well, Kyle is a bigger wing. He's a combo four. He can play that point forward. He's coming off the best year of his life. Why in the world are you saying Kyle now? That's the opposite of what you usually say. Plus, if you follow me on Twitter, uh, I have a reputation for being a Jonas Valanciunas hater. So now I'm essentially saying Jonas is the guy that you signed. Here's why. Because I think that Jonas Valanciunas has a skill set that lines up better with Jaron Jackson Jr. And if you're committed to committing to Jaron Jackson Jr., which I believe the Memphis Grizzlies are, then you have to pick the guys that line up best with Jaron and Jaw. Kyle is an excellent basketball player, but Kyle is a four. Kyle is not a wing anymore. Kyle is a power forward in the traditional sense, combo forward, point forward, whatever you want to call him beyond that. He's a four. So is Jaron Jackson Jr. And I don't think it works when you move Kyle to the three and Dylan to the two. I think Dylan is a much better three than a two. I think that Kyle is a much better four than a three. And you need to prioritize figuring out who your answer is at the two now that you have Dylan as a three and Jaron back at the four, and Jonas can be your five. So in terms of roster construction, at least in my crazy mind, Sean, I think Kyle is the more expendable piece. Does that get you to the Golden State pick? Maybe. I think Kyle in 2022 could certainly get you in that ballpark. I think that you might need to add a little bit of a sweetener. But the sweet part about this, Sean, is that the Grizzlies have the assets, right? They have the roster. They have the ability to add Grayson Allen and Kyle Anderson to a trade plus 17. And who knows where that gets you in terms of what the rosters look like for teams as free agency begins in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be rapid fire here very soon. So I'm really intrigued by what Memphis could do. Something that they could do, Sean, that is a bit of a dark horse. Matt Harlicka wrote about it. Chris Harrington's written about it. I wrote about it a little bit. If Jaron Jackson Jr. is not in your plans, Jaron Jackson Jr. plus a pick, the Jazz 2022 pick, I think that might get you in the top four. And now you're talking about a Jalen Suggs next to John Morant. Now you're talking about an Evan Mobley, a Jalen Green, somebody of that ilk being in Memphis and you strengthen your backcourt, right? Or you strengthen your frontcourt with Mobley and Jonas. So it, it really is depending on what the Grizzlies are thinking. I don't think Jaron is getting traded. I'm not making that argument. I think Jaron is more likely to get resigned. My point is, there, the decision is probably between Kyle and Jaron. I think Jaron's going to win that battle. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you because at the end of the day, the argument I've been making is this: Kyle and Jonas are going into this season making twenty-three million combined, based off their performance this year and next, and what they'll do probably next year. You're looking at thirty combined per year for Jonas and Kyle, and I don't I think agree that, with that the Grizzlies. Yeah, I don't think that the Grizzlies are looking at maybe either one of them being long-term starters. It doesn't make sense for the roster. So if you know already that you're likely not going to need one or the other, turn that present value into future value. Now, the other question that I'll ask is this, Joe. Last year, the Grizzlies were able to create, take one pick and turn it into two. This year, 51 
and perhaps that if they stay at 17 and get a guy they like, maybe they do go upside play in the 20s, combine the Utah pick with 51 to get another pick in this draft. Even if the Grizzlies do stay at 17 and they don't trade up, do you feel it makes sense to certainly still make sure to be aggressive to go after an upside pick in the you know 20 to 35 range to make the most of the depth in this draft? Like we've been talking about, one of the brilliant pieces of what Memphis has built is they have the capacity to do whatever they want, right? Like they could say it to take their upside swing at 17, say they take a Zaire Williams, right? And then if they want to select somebody at 51 that is a ready-made product, you know, Joe Wieskamp is probably going to be there at 51. Luca Garza is probably going to be there at 51. Sam Hauser of UVA, one of the best three-point shooters in college basketball, is probably going to be there at 51. Uh, Shameless plug. Shameless plug. (laughs) McKinney. McKinley Wright from Colorado is probably going to be there as a point guard at 51. And, and he's ready-made. He could be the backup point guard right now for John. You can move off of Tyus, who's another name that we haven't mentioned as much. If John Morant's your superstar point guard and he's going to play 34 to 36 minutes a game, do you really need to pay Tyus Jones $8 million to be his backup? To play 10 minutes a game in playoff games? That's an interesting question. So I, I, I'm fascinated by how they could get to these points. And I think that they could even take that surefire player at 51, they're very good at finding guys that were good in college and for some reason they tumble. I think this draft has several of those types of guys, Luca Garza being the most glaring example. If your major concern about Luca Garza is he can't play defense laterally and he's going to have to only do drop coverage, hello, Memphis already has that guy. So if you, if you are going to commit to Jonas Valanciunas long-term and you're committing to drop coverage, why the hell wouldn't you take the best college basketball player of the last two years and try to see if he could be a backup long-term to Jonas Valanciunas if you don't want to pay Brandon Clark long-term? or you, you know, there, there, It gives you more flexibility, and that's just one example. You could go in a variety of ways there in the late 50s. So they could take their upside swing at 17 and then take a surefire player that can make the roster or at the very least be in the G League at 51. So they, they have a lot of different directions that they can take. And, and I, I'm really fascinated by when they're going to do this roster consolidation because, as you alluded to earlier, Kyle's a free agent. Jonas is a free agent. Grayson Allen is a free agent. One way or another, it's coming, right? So do they decide to pull the trigger now and start making some moves and shuffle some things? Or do they wait a year? And, I mean, that free agency class of 2022 is loaded. Right, There is a ton of guys that are going to be hitting the free agency market in 2022. Do they hold off and try to get into that mix uh, as a free agency group saying, hey, we've got Jaron and John, a bunch of cap space. You know, if they, if they opt into Justice Winslow and then let him walk or use him as a trade chip, that's a ton of money coming off the books. They could always defer to the 2022 free agency class. They can do literally whatever they want, Sean, and that makes them one of the most interesting teams in the NBA to me because of the flexibility they have in the draft, how it connects to free agency, how it connects to the oncoming season with all of these expiring deals. And that's the thing that I've kind of been saying as well here and Twitter and other places is that, you know, my I get it on our roster this upcoming year. 
getting two first-round picks, making two first-round picks, I understand it may not make sense with how you know full our roster is. But when you look beyond this year, going into next summer, just right. think of how much better you would be in if you had two picks from this draft who have been in your system for a year or on cheap contracts. All that free agency money that comes your way, instead of filling holes because you only took one first-round pick in this draft, put more money towards really investing in somebody who's worth a significant value in the free agency class. So many great things that are on the horizon, but it's really good to have a front office that can make the most of it. So you heard it here first. Joe Molinax himself is predicting that the Grizzlies are going to take Keon Johnson at 17 and then <laughs> trade back up to get Jaden Springer at 21. Joe Molinax from the mouth of Molinax himself. Mulligrizz predicting the 2021 NBA draft. <laughs> Joe, what do you have going on? And, and the great folks over at Grizzly Bear Blues, what do y'all have going on leading up to the draft, sir? Oh, man, we've got our consensus big board that I know you're an active part of, and I took part in that as well. And, and Parker did a great job organizing that. Uh, I'll have a draft primer, you know, things I think the Grizzlies will do on draft night. Uh, we'll have draft preview podcasts. I know the 3 and D podcast over on the podcast network has all sorts of things, all sorts of guests. They're doing the big preview extravaganza. Uh, I think we're going to have a review show of the draft on GBB live next week. Um, you know, we, we've got a ton going on uh, a ton uh, going into, and that draft review is also going to have to double as a free agency preview because how, of how rapid fire everything's going to hit here over the next few weeks. So, um, you know, it, Grizzly Bear Blues has really become, I'm very proud of, what it, what it is within the fan base, right? Like, I feel like it's the one-stop shop. You know, we have Brendan Smart with Grizz Gaming. We have Brandon Abraham with the G League and the Memphis Hustle. Uh, you do a great job with stats and numbers. I know you're doing a series for us similar to what you did last year. No pressure, Sean, but you literally predicted the Grizzlies draft last year. So uh, I look forward to you doing that exact same thing next week. Um, between you and Parker and Sean and the podcast, and I'll have a couple of pieces you know, our prospect profiles will keep rolling out. Um, I'm, I'm just really proud. You know, Ricky O'Donnell over at SB Nation is yep. our main draft guru, and uh, he put out his top 30 guys in the draft. And like half of the names that he listed, he included some of our draft profiles uh, as more information about them. And he said that he used us as part of his research. So over the last couple of years, Parker Fleming has done a remarkable job building up our draft coverage. You know, I, I'm, I'm very happy to give him that opportunity and, and he's taken it and run with it. I've said that before, Sean, and you mentioned opportunity earlier on the show. Grizzly Bear Blues is the land of opportunity, man. You know, if you want to take it and run with it and make it something that you grow through and you get opportunity from, it'll be whatever you want it to be. And, and I think that you and Parker and others are a great example of that, and it's part of the reason why we've done such great work. So at SBN Grizzlies, you know, we're, we're going to keep turning out content on this draft all the way through draft night. And it's going to be a lot of fun, and that's that's the it, it's so much more fun now than it was. Like I say, even as is close to you know a little over two years ago, you know before we knew we were getting John Moran and really seeing this front office coming come to life. It's it's just it's just been a lot of fun. We will have just like Grizzly Bear Blues that locked on Grizzlies Grizzly Bear Blues every single day. All the Grizzlies coverage that you can ask for. So many different places to enjoy it, but through Joe Mullinax and myself and others, you know, there's a lot. The reason why there's so much quality content in various places is we all love doing it because we all love the Grizzlies. For Joe Mullinax, my name is Sean Coleman. 
We'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked On Grizzlies podcast.